the city. Give me a mic. That has seen it all. Ain't seen nothing yet. <coughs> now, Jason's gone. Up down. There is a maniac trying to kill us. Welcome to New York. Friday the 13th, Part 8. Jason Takes Manhattan, rated R. Starts Friday, July 28th at theaters everywhere. Welcome back to a very special Shocktober, a super Shocktober episode of Reconcinimation. I'm your host, John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we're checking out how they hold up today. And like I said, it's a very special episode because it is part two of our super Shocktober uh, we are we are going to be bringing a couple more episodes after this one, but it is it is uh, a, a tradition to cover every Friday the Thirteenth movie as we approach Friday the Thirteenth, and that time has come again. Who's excited about it, David? I know you are. Sure am. Here we go. Eighth one. Eighth one of our series <laughs> for the eighth time. Here we are. That- you sold me on the excitement. I'm I'm there with you. I can I can feel it pulsing. <laughs> this from this would have been ninth, but we didn't get our our schedules together. I think I think we we had That's, to redo. We, we yeah we, we had back That's back true. in year year two we had a we had a we had to air a repeat uh, of the first Friday the Thirteenth. So yeah. we should have been covering Jason goes to hell, but we're not. We are covering. The final entry of the series in by Paramount Pictures. It's Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. You have a New York, New York theme song right now. Let's go. <laughs> no, legally, you can't do that, as they learned. Yeah. That's fair, as, that's fair enough. Is that still true? Jeez, man, what's the statute of limitations on that? <laughs> yeah, and you know, you can check out, we've covered the first seven films in the series. So you can check those out in the archives. Uh, they're at reconcinimation.com. And uh, we've, you know, I always find it interesting. It's, it's a study that watching this series evolve and change and how it's gone from this, the small picture that it was for the first film and how it's evolved all the way through the 1980s and the, the scope of the, you know, the horror genre and how it's changed throughout that decade. And, here we are all the way at 1989 and the series has gone through quite a, a number of changes and it really barely looks like uh, the first film anymore. So uh, I always like, you know, in kind of digging in and seeing how these movies got made and what the problems were and what it was like behind the scenes, especially with a major studio behind it, but kind of not behind it. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this one. This is a huge one. Is it huge? I mean, it's massive. It's, it's, it, it's it, Big it, Apple massive. It's interstate. It's interstatal. <laughs> it <laughs> is, but like in this, it, this is probably one of the more well-known entries in the series. Mm. You know, it's probably one of the more popular ones, not necessarily the best, not necessarily the biggest moneymaker, 
which it certainly wasn't. <laughs> but uh, I think that just the the gimmick, the Manhattan gimmick, yeah. was such a such a popular move. Yeah, it was I, so ridiculous. How do you not hear about it? I mean, they yeah. spoof it too, and they make. I mean, it was it's kind of a Saturday Night Live skit. Not that I think that they ever actually really did that, but it's that kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, do you guys like this one? Not like this one? We'll come back at the end. But what 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 do you think? This this is as good as any other of any other movie of the series. <laughs> no, come I mean, on, it's, it's not like top three, but it's as good as all their other ones. You know. There, yeah. The fact that you in this in this in okay th that you say it's not in the top three already. Weakens, it's like the rest of them. Weakens weakens. It's the rest after the top three. I guess it's like all the, it's all these dumb movies. It's all it's like the other <laughs> oh four. Oh my god, David. There's five, David, there's a bottom five. So, oh, they're all the same. <laughs> what would you say? Could you pinpoint? York, could you pinpoint what your top three are at this moment, being that 3D. you're seeing all these for the first time? 3D. 3D. Can't, can't beat 3D. <laughs> Two's pretty good. And uh, I don't know. I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. The Corey Haim one, I guess. Yeah. The Corey well, Feldman one. <laughs> the Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman. This, this, the, the never released Corey Haim. Yeah. That'd be great if Haim Haim picked, oh, up, picked up the series. Yeah. Imagine if Haim and Feldman teamed up against uh, against Jason. That would have been yeah. a perfect. They should have made a buddy comedy, like I have a Costello meet Frankenstein. It should have been like the Corys meet Jason, yeah. and it's just a wacky adventure in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Jason's trying to kill the Corys. They could have done that at the opening of part six. With the uh, isn't that when they have Corey Feldman flash the that's five yeah oh it's five where he's back in the graveyard okay yeah so they could yeah. have done it then anyway. it's funny how you know we've done a deep dive into each one of these films and then when we talk about it in a general sense it's like so easy to mix them all up oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they blur together well I mean John you've mentioned it several times uh you know typically when we watch these we watch them in chunks of more than one and so they yes. do start to kind of blur when you only view them in marathons yes uh it starts to get a little bit like okay which ones what and that's what makes this one so great because there's no mistaking which one this one is because exactly it's jason in new york yeah come on for for a half hour yeah for a half hour it's jason <laughs> on his way to new york mostly <laughs> It's a lot and of then, Jason traveling to New York. Yeah. A little yeah. bit of him in New York. Um, we'll get into that of, of why that is and how this movie, you know, came out the way it did. But um, before we get started on this, let's do our new game. Six Degrees of Reconsinimation. David, you got a movie for us uh, that Brent and I are going to connect, pick any movie and we'll connect it to Jason Takes Manhattan by the end was, of the show. I was trying to think of what is a New York movie, what's a contemporary New York movie uh, of this one. Uh, and I came up with uh, When Harry Met Sally. Came out the same year. When okay. Harry Met Sally. 1989. New York may as well be another character in the film. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your, it always is. There's your connection. Uh, New York City. It's always New York's a, always the star. 
It's always it's, that, it's the rat that comes out of the toxic waste barrel. <laughs> yeah. That, that they, rat's definitely in one. That we linger on that shot for way too long. Yeah. The rat really had something to say. <clears throat> so uh, I don't know. Good luck. Cause uh, oh boy. <laughs> There's, okay. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I'm already, the wheels are spinning already. Churn it. Don't you worry. Yeah. My wheels are rusty, but I'll get them going. All right. right. So by the at the end of the episode, we'll come back. We're gonna connect when Harry met Sally to Jason Takes Manhattan. Let's see how how we make that connection. (laughs) Um, All right. So Brent, let's let's rewind. Let's take take us back to July twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. What's happening in the world? What's happening in film and sports entertainment? What's what's uh, set the table? Bring us back there. So July 28th, 1989, George W. Bush Sr. is president. Uh, and the kind of top songs of the time are Toy Soldiers by Martika. Is that how you say that? Martika. I think so. That'd be right. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm saying that wrong, leave a comment. I'd love to hear about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've also got some Madonna. Express Yourself is pretty popular right now, as well as uh, Prince's song Bat Dance. That's mm. that's one of the tops in the charts. Um, you've got uh, kind of top movie at the box office is Turner and Hooch. Uh, and on TV, kids are watching uh, Chip, Alvin and the Chipmunks, 21 Jump Street. Uh, those are all on at the time. And then uh, let's see what other oh, Quantum Leap was on at this time. That's one of my favorites. So give it a little shout out for Sam Beckett. But uh yeah david you're you're a giant quantum fan aren't you i I am yeah the character sam beckett recently celebrated a birthday as of this recording so it's uh happy birthday (laughs) happy birthday sam beckett fictional character sam beckett kareem abdul jabbar announced his retirement in 1989 um and uh yeah you know 1989 not a whole lot of news that i haven't given before in this kind of general region. So it's it's difficult to find new and unique things. But I will say that just a little bit after this movie, uh, the first Game Boy was released in North America. And so that, I'm going to say, was the biggest news coming out of 1989. Because at least for me, I played Tetris a shit ton uh, in 1990 and 91. Tetris and Paperboy, right? Didn't Paperboy come with Game Boy? Oh, did it? Man, I talking, feel like it did. You're talking it came like, with Paperboy? Maybe at one point. It, I thought, I, thought it I, came I, I think Tetris. when I got it, I thought it came I think with when Tetris. I got it, it came with Paperboy. Yeah. Oh, nice. maybe it was a Tetris. It was Tetris. You're right. Yeah, I think it came with Tetris. That was like the whole. It was a Tetris machine. Deal. Do you know how many moms were playing Tetris on the Game Boy? Holy shit! There mine were a lot of moms playing Tetris. Fourteen. For no more. More than more, that. More, okay. more on more more than that on your block. I'm excited to talk about this one because it is, as you just mentioned, in the year 1989, and we've covered some films from 1989. We have an episode looking at the summer of 1989, which you can dig out in the archives at reconsideration.com. But there's so many big movies that came out that year. All year long, there's uh, it's kind of it's one of those years like 1982 and 1939, if we want to go back that far, that there's just like a lot of big movies that happen to come out that year. And uh, so there's so many to talk about. And I'm glad we're going back to it again. 
Um, but in particular, the, let's talk about the state of the horror genre in 89, which is not so good. You know, as you've got huge movies like Batman and La Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Back to the Future 2 and Lethal Weapon 2 and on and on and on, uh, big movies coming out. The horror genre is really kind of taken a nosedive at this point. And, you know, they really exploited as we've covered before. Uh, it is, the, but but for a for like an 11, 12 year old kid walking through the aisles of the uh, the video store, like, dude, this is a great time for horror movies because they're yeah. all really terrible and not super smart, but like great cover art and a lot of fun for fledgling horror fans, I'll say. Well, let me let me take that one step further. Where they're not doing well is theatrically in cinemas. Yeah, totally tanking. Most of them are, are doing really badly and we're deep into sequels for a lot of these series. Home video, though, you're absolutely right, Brent, because as our age group experienced walking the 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 aisles of our video stores and just being mesmerized by those really like graphic and you know memorable horror movie covers of that day the vhs covers you know video rental sales were like through the roof but yeah. so it's like they are making money in a way but in a different way than i think they had planned and this is around the time that they're learning that that like okay horror may not do so well theatrically but we can make a lot of money on home video so yeah. i mean just, I'm going to throw out a bunch of names here. All, all horror movies that came out in 1989. So buckle up. 976 Evil, Amityville that 4. Yeah, you had that's a great poster, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that poster. Uh, Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, Chud 2. Brent, you're a big Chud fan. Yeah. Uh, the, the Fly 2. Halloween five, which uh, is the revenge of Michael Myers. We covered that one. You can hear it in the archives at reconsideration.com. The howling five Leviathan nightmare on Elm street, part five, the dream child, which we will be covering in the future. Mm -hmm. Parents pet cemetery, the puppet master, uh, Wes Craven's shocker Sleepaway camp three stepfather two. Society, which is a, a, a film covered by our friend E.K. Wimmer on uh, his podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, not only Toxic Avenger 2, but also Toxic Avenger 3. Troma's oh, really wow. pumping them out, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Warlock, starring the late, great Julian Sands. Yeah, I'll say Pet Cemetery, Puppet Master, and uh, Shocker. Uh, I was pretty excited for all of those. I don't. I thought Pet Cemetery was kind of a big deal when it came out. I, it was. Maybe it was Stephen. You know, anything wrong, with Stephen but... King's name was was big at that time and now. Yeah, and who was was who was the kid in that? The, the little kid. The little kid. Is that Milo something? Yeah. No, is that, is that he's terrifying. That scene underneath the bed where he slashes the dude's Achilles is terrifying. So oh, is that Miko Hughes? Miko the kid who was, Hughes, yeah, he was yeah. he was the little kid for like 15 years in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From Full House to Pet Cemetery to Nightmare on Elm Street 7. Was he in Nightmare on Elm Street 7? Yeah, he's he's Heather Langenkamp's son in Nightmare 7. Oh man, that's right. We gotta get all right. 
That's we'll on get the horizon. there. We're working we'll our way there. there. Yep. <laughs> um, okay, David. Uh, why don't you? What What's happening in Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight? Jason takes Manhattan. Can you well, Can you sum it up for us? This movie, guys. This movie, written by Rob Hedden, Hedden, Rob Hedden, and Hedden. Victor Miller, directed by Rob Hedden. Uh, this is this is one of the bonkers ones of the of the series. Uh, Jason Voorhees once again rises from the grave. Uh, this time it's the watery grave where we last met or we saw him go down uh, underneath the deck, right, chained, and he rises again, sets his sights upon a get this a graduating senior class that they're taking a celebratory cruise. From Camp Crystal Lake to Manhattan Island, New York. Uh, <laughs> it's a big old boat commission to travel whatever that whatever that river is, <laughs> and uh, and it's pretty standard uh, horror slasher fare. While teens and their adult companions just keep turning up dead, and then just wait till Jason arrives in the Big Apple, because oh boy. People, people be dying. Uh, people be dying. This is the what a wet the Jason on a boat. This is this is Jason on a boat. It's yeah. it's it's uh it's it's speed two cruise control really. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just a, a <laughs> little is... more motor. You know, uh, like jet skis and motorboats or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Luckily, there's no there's barely any water sports in this movie. Yeah. Uh, not much so that's just the wacky i mean what else can you say it's jason's back but oh man new elements to 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 excite us all <laughs> they, yeah. they tried they tried well they were uh, they were handcuffed a little bit yeah we'll we'll come back to that in a minute yeah. of, of how how the script originally was written and kind of how it evolved to what we we saw on the screen but uh what was the uh when was the first time you guys saw this Brent home video or did you catch it in the theater? Oh, it was home video. Yeah. I think yeah. I did again, like a marathon. Actually. I think I was, I, I rented, um, I want to say I rented Friday 13th part seven and eight to watch them back to back. Cause as we mentioned in that other podcast, or I did the part seven, I was a big fan of. And so I wanted to rewatch that before watching part eight and uh made a whole like afternoon of it biked down to the video store got them came home uh for whatever reason the video store at this point was already like they were you know totally on board with renting these movies to me because i had been in there so much with my parents where my parents were like yeah okay it's fine just <laughs> let him get it and so uh yeah went home watched them and uh just watched them by myself actually uh at at, at the house so well, but and were were you scared? No, these never scared me, really. I know. Um, but I also thought it was bananas and was like, what the hell is this little kid kind of vibe going on? Like the whole supernatural aspect of this got I mean, there's always I mean, at this point there was definitely a supernatural aspect to Jason Voorhees, but the the going back to his childhood kind of thing uh threw me for a bit of a loop mm -hmm. 
David, what about you? Uh, first, first time view this this viewing, or had you seen this one before? You know, I don't know where and how I saw the last ten minutes of this movie, but I, every every frame of it is. I must have I must have paused it on cable at one point and be like, oh, how they kill him in this one, <laughs> like something like that. <laughs> but for the uh, but for the most part, I've only seen no, I've only seen it for this podcast. So uh, first time view, more or less, uh, and uh, yeah. It, the, it, it was a surprise to be like, oh, I've seen this. I remember that the whole acid, the acid, uh, acid pl- uh, being expunged from these sewers of Manhattan every night at midnight. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, yeah, it's like they got to get them in the acid bath. So, um, <laughs> yeah. toxic waste and acid was like a huge thing. Toxic was, waste is huge in the late 80s. Like, it was like, it was the, it was the cause of so many, so yeah. many. It was like uh, it was deformed like and or or toxic Avengers or whatever. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere. It's like yeah, uh, to- toxic waste was a huge thing. And we talked about in one of our recent movies as well that um, it had become such an issue, a public issue at this point. So you're seeing it pop up in movies all over the place. Like Ninja Turtles had it too, right? Yeah, all over. I mean, Return yeah. of the Living Dead. Uh, yep. You know, I mean, here uh was it was it alligator and oh alligator you know, and yeah yeah chud and i mean it's just everywhere like it's just yep yeah you could you could argue the snake from uh from hard ticket to hawaii uh oh yeah yeah was there a you product go. of the yeah. toxic waste right that's we've right, been we've been right. talking toxic waste all year long and we didn't even realize it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's toxic time in tinseltown yeah <laughs> Um, I, so the first time I saw this movie, I rented it with my friend, Eamon, who's a a regular listener, uh, to this podcast. Uh, we, we really got into horror movies. Uh, I think we, by the time we saw it, it was 1990. So when it came out on video, so sometime during that year, uh, and we watched it in the basement and I, I was actually scared only of the opening part for some reason him climbing up on the boat with the two teenagers in the beginning for some reason that got to me and i don't know why like no other part of of a jason or friday the 13th film except for bits of the first one ever really got to me for some reason and it doesn't anymore it just did when i was 10. so uh yeah but that was like our sure we, (laughs) we uh rented this one like over and over and over and we saw it many times but then i didn't watch it again till uh brent till our our college marathon back at the college of santa fe when we had a weekend long party and uh at at your residence and yeah one of the rooms we had a marathon going of all the friday the 13th movies and we played drinking games to it and it was a wonderful time yeah i by this time in the marathon um i wasn't there yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I was there, but I wasn't there. Yeah. Mentally, you were elsewhere. Many yeah. of us were elsewhere. But <laughs> you're talking the eighth movie of the franchise. We've been franchising or we've been we've been drinking while while watching. Uh yeah, this is this is not this is not gonna go well for my memory. Yeah. And I had at some point I acquired a like a, a really long poster in in it wasn't in our dorm room but it was uh when i moved into the apartments on campus i had i don't i i don't know how i ended up with that poster but i had a jason takes manhattan poster that was all crinkled and not taken care of and i don't was know it like door door length 
The door length ones. Yeah. Yeah. That rings a bell. It was behind my door. So when you close, yeah, yeah, I, right? I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it from the apartments now that you mentioned there's it. There's a, there's a good chance it's in my attic right now, but there's uh, a good chance it's still on the door in college. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's kind of dig into where we are in the Friday the 13th series. Uh, this is the eighth film and you know, Paramount uh, Pictures had been releasing these films and and technically producing them, although it always kept it the whole series at arm's length and really like didn't get too involved, but you know was happy to take in all the money, but didn't want to really really admit that it was its its uh you know its one of its really major franchises because the Friday the Thirteenth series, as we've talked about was one of its biggest money makers and in years that it had down years like this was one of the ones they could turn to that they're going to show a profit no matter what um as the years went on especially after the fifth film it those profits started to shrink so even part seven six seven they all made money and made a lot of money but they were making less each time well yeah i and, mean they're kind of floundering especially when you're sitting there looking across the street and watching Freddy Krueger rake in money and his popularity just skyrocketing. Yeah. You know, like they're doing everything they possibly can to try and keep their franchise alive and gain momentum and compete with Freddy. And, you know, I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, like it, and, well, and, you, and you feel it in this, in this installment, like, yeah, this yeah, is a this very is really like, this is the one that you really feel that impact that not only we're, we're competing with Freddy who and, and Nightmare on Elm Street 4 had, you know, a, like a $49 million box office take and compared to, I think, 19 that Friday the 13th part seven had. So, um, you know, you've got a lot of competition there. It's overkill, pun intended, from the whole horror genre to begin with, that, that people are getting tired of the slasher genre and the MPAA's impact on on the censorship of the films was really strong. So you're uh, like we've talked about in the last few films, you're barely getting to see the kills. That was the reason people were going to see these movies. So they're starting to rely on more gimmicks and, you know, part six being more of a satire of itself and seven being, you know, essentially Carrie meets Jason and eight. We've got a new gimmick of taking right. him out of his element. So, you know, things are changing and Paramount really is at the point where they're like, let's, you know, if this one isn't a hit, it's time, it's time to wrap it up and move on. So, um, and Michael Myers coming back too, although he did not have the impact that Freddy Krueger had at this moment. Right. Um, so one of the initial ideas is a Freddy versus Jason movie, which is logical and really what the movie everybody wanted to see. Yeah, absolutely. But there's no benefit to New Line, right? right. Doing doing Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. New Line New Line held all the cards. And we talked about this in our Nightmare on Elm Street 4 episode, which was our most recent episode of this show. Uh that they really didn't have to. Like there wasn't it wasn't much of a gain for New Line that suddenly this smaller independent company held all the cards and big old Paramount Studios. Uh, really couldn't get that deal done. They're the ones who needed it. So, 
Yeah. Um, eventually, we would get uh, Freddy versus Jason, but not until 2003, although we'd get a little taste of it before then. Just a little taste. A little taste. David, where, where, where do you... would? Would you have wanted to see a Freddy versus Jason movie? Would you, at, at this point, would you have been intrigued enough to see that? I'd be intrigued, but uh, um, only because like it's it's almost like that's just a crazy. That just sounds like a crazy idea crossing over like two properties. It's uh, yeah. That's that's the only I. I'm like, oh, can you do that? Can you can you have two different properties in the same movie? That's crazy. Even though you know. I think Roger Rabbit was probably like blew my mind at the time. I'm like, what? Mickey and Mickey and Bugs can't be in the same movie. They can't be talking to each other. This is wild. It's still wild, by the way, that that actually happened. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the novelty of of the of the crossover absolutely might have piqued my interest a little bit, but I wasn't really interested. Like, yeah, either. I remember reading about it in the early 90s where it was there was a, like in some magazine about it like because talk it probably you know industry talk was probably going around and around and around about it and then um i was like oh that's interesting and then of course yeah it took another decade mm-hmm. to come out but um but i probably wasn't going to be like oh i want i would want i want to see that but yeah so and and for you david you know like to be fair you're you're kind of a casual viewer of of these movies like you never yeah. really focused on seeing them much as uh a younger person you know like you you see them now for the for the podcast but i i would say for myself and for people that were fans of the franchise at this time like seeing freddy versus jason and at you know prior to 2003 would have been freaking awesome like to have that happened right now when Freddie's like kind of at the height of his popularity and Jason is definitely grasping at straws to try and get it, but it's like a changing of the guard. Like there's so many different kind of subplots that you could tie into, into that whole uh, coming together. I, it would have been freaking rad, but you know, I get why New Line was like, no thanks. Like, we don't need it. We're killing it right now. And you guys are yesterday's news, so forget about it. Um, and it wasn't, you know, like you said, until 2003 where they were both on the outs and they were like, well, okay, let's finally do this. And uh, mm. and we got that movie. In hindsight, you really could have done so much more with this franchise. Um, if it wasn't for Paramount's rejection of these movies you could have done you could have brought characters back you could have had more of like some kind of emotional involvement from some of these guys it was really just like they were so focused on just making it as cheap and fast as possible yeah yeah if they were more thoughtful about it 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 could have been i mean it could have been pretty spectacular i would say though i mean at this point you know, even at the eighth turn, you're going to struggle, right? Like, I mean, right. and especially when you're fighting the battles that you are, because, you know, we've said this before, but Jason was known for being the slasher, being brutal, you know, that gore in the earlier movies were, you know, the part of what drew people to see them similar to how 
the fantastic set pieces and things like that of Freddy Krueger were at this time, you know, like you had an uphill battle to, to have Jason survive that environment when really his bread and butter was making, you know, splitting people in half basically. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to do that. You know, I mean, there's several, there's several opportunities in this movie where the kills could have been much more captivating, you know, and they're just very easy and yeah, they're they're very tame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's one fantastic kill in here (laughs) and we're going to get to it, but yeah. It's 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 fantastic for being ridiculous, you know. It's not fantastic for like gore, but it's it's definitely standout. Yeah, but it's one of those memorable kills, right? That that yeah. you know, a lot of the movies have these standout, you know, k- kills that uh, really you you take with you, and and this certainly has one. Arguably, the most standout kill in yeah. the entire franchise. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, so really we're down to pretty much the the hardcore Friday the Thirteenth fans are the ones hanging on and really being loyal to to the uh, to the series at this point. And even Frank Mancuso Jr., who was came on in the second film and was really the shepherd of this series, even he's pretty much moved on. He's producing an internal affairs with Richard Gere and Kim Basinger at the same time, so he's really not that involved in what's going on he's you know trying to hire responsible people where he could check in and keep and sort of keep an eye on things but he was not as involved as he normally was um and he was trying to make you know break out of the friday the 13th films and make his own career which he did and has become continued to be very successful ever since but um so initially the story was was freddie versus jason that's rejected uh, John Carl Buechler, who was the director of Friday the 13th Part 7, uh, comes in and pitches continuing the storylines from Part 7 with uh, Jason stalks Tina to a, a mental hospital, kind of like, which just echoes of Halloween 2. Um, so I'm not sure where that would have gone. Uh, they passed on that. There was also, I think, some some bad blood between uh, the uh, producer Barbara Sachs and and uh, John Carl Buechler from some stuff that had gone on in the seventh film. Uh, Lar Park Lincoln, who is the actress who played Tina in part seven, pitches a storyline with Tina as a like a mental health professional who's working with the survivors from the other Friday the 13th films. But that sounds kind of echoed a little yeah. familiar. Sounds sounds a little bit like Nightmare on Elm Street three Dream Warriors. Hmm. Uh, so they pass on that. Uh, Kevin Spurtis, who played Nick in the in the seventh film, also pitches a story of him being the real Jason and like everything, kind of almost like retelling the seventh film, but as as he was the killer. Uh, that seems mm-hmm. like it was just an actor trying to showcase themselves to me. Yeah, that but... sounds like a guy who doesn't have work. <laughs> Uh, so all of those get rejected. Uh, in the meantime, Friday the 13th, the series is happening, uh, which I think came on the air in 1988. Now, I- I've I've never actually seen 
I, I mean, I may have seen it a little bit when it first aired, but I don't remember it at all. Did, do you, have you guys ever seen that? I have, yes. And I was super excited for it when it was first airing. Um, but I didn't know anything about it. You know, I mean, like back then, there wasn't the internet where you were getting like details of what was happening and all that. Like, uh, if you were super ambitious, you were maybe going to the bookstore or wherever and finding a Fangoria magazine and trying to to do deep dives that way. But like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, uh, there weren't a lot of avenues to figure out what was happening. And so I was super excited when I heard about it. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like a, a Jason series, right? But mm -hmm. it's not a Jason series. It's not a Jason series at all. The fact that it's a Friday the 13th series uh, is bewildering like there's not a i mean it's not that it was a bad show like it was kind of interesting but if you're going in thinking like you're gonna see a series based around jason Voorhees and and something like that you're you're gonna be disappointed because it's not what it's about it's like it's more like a warehouse 13 type show you know where there's like you know kind of different artifacts that are, you know, in this case possessed or whatever. Uh, and, you know, like you're, you know, it's a bit of a, each episode is kind of the telling of that different artifact and mm -hmm. they don't really link back to Crystal Lake or Jason or anything like that. Yeah. It's a little um, misleading to have that. It is like to, to, to say that it's it's Friday the 13th. And the thing is, I believe even in the opening credits, like they end on, it's like a silhouette of, of light shooting through a hockey mask. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, like you're really trying to sell this Jason thing and it's not that at all. And so that was, that was a bit of a bummer. So like, you know, I was disappointed and I didn't watch the entire series because, you know, I was hoping for something different. Yeah, well, th that series is going on. I think it lasts three seasons. Um, something like that. And oh, wow. one of the directors was Rob Hedden, who had been a writer on, David, one of your favorite shows, MacGyver. Hey. Mm. <laughs> oh. Hey, that's You're, the guy. You were a MacGyver maniac, weren't you? <laughs> I was. Uh, I should have been a bigger Gabber maniac, but I, I've seen my share of episodes. <laughs> I remember you telling me, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you once shot a shot-for-shot -shot remake of the opening credit sequence, but with you as MacGyver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. when I was uh, 14. Yeah. <laughs> Did that? It's great. It was, uh, I would. I do that with my favorite series, though. Yeah. That's uh, a must. Did a home improvement recreation. Nice, nice. Um, Greatest American Hero. I feel like that needs to be in there. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That was one of my first was, ones. A-Team was happening, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Rob Hedden was one of the directors, and I think Frank Mancuso uh, took a liking to him and, and got his, his father, who was Frank Mancuso Sr., who was the president of production at Paramount Pictures, through really like the best times of the late seventies and early eighties and uh, all the way through the eighties, I think. And uh, so they, they took a look at him and said, I think this is the guy uh, they make a deal for him. And, and, but, but the idea is like, 
can we get take Jason out of Crystal Lake? Let's do something different. Let's bring him somewhere. And uh, they kind of collectively were like, well, where's the one place he's going to go? Let's take him to, to New York City. And which is sounds like, I mean, it's a little bit of a betrayal because that's what Jason is. He goes around Crystal Lake and he kills camp counselors, right? Or teenagers or whatever. Uh, but I think the idea of taking him out of his element, especially what you could do with him in a place like New York, it does leave a lot to the imagination. And the the attitude of what New York is in 1989 is different than it is today, too. So New York is, has its own set of problems and freaks and uh, and and crime and, you know, just disgustingness. Right. This this layer of of, of grossness. And uh, so it was like, well, the craziest city on Earth. What well, here comes Jason. What's going to happen? Like. And that you know that that sounds like a great idea. Like take take fresh out of water, have him do something. Like they if I feel like it should have been zanier or, or or sillier. Like if they could spend more time in New York, like somehow he would have accidentally been like given the keys to a penthouse like hotel or something. Like he you know follow, he'd be stalking somebody and following them and then. I don't know. I just feel like then there would be like a room service guy and he he wouldn't know what to do with the room service guy. He wouldn't kill that guy, but he'd kill somebody else that came to the door. Like just like and then he's just he just ends up in crazy New York situations. Like <laughs> uh yeah. that's that's how I saw this going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be... Like it's kind of fun and exciting and like there's so much you could do and you know, I think they had ideas of like Rob hadn't wanted to take him everywhere, like everywhere you think of, you know, typical New York City, Times Square, Statue of Liberty, Madison Square Garden, Broadway, like he yeah. he has him going through all of that. Um, and he, so he, and he could be wearing a, a cat's hat, right? Like he just came out of cats. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, that, that then... Jason's a big cat fan. Yeah. <laughs> <Cats>. <laughs> But apparently they could only like do Times Square at, at at midnight on a on a Tuesday, and that's all the amount of time they had to uh, shoot this thing. So well, that's we and that's the big that's the big thing about this movie is that you know the the script that Rob Hedden wrote was probably ten million a ten million dollar film, right? Um, and the worry is if they give him if they give it more money, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to take more of a box office return to make a profit that they weren't confident they were going to get. So they were hesitant to really pull the trigger on that. So they kind of went the other direction and said like, well, why don't we make it about, you know, the, the cruise ship part. And it's really just, just on the cruise ship. And we'll forget about him going to New York. He's just like, they're going out, you know, except we don't see the destination, right? Everyone gets killed or the whole story gets resolved before they get to the destination. Yeah. So that was like script two. And then they decided to kind of merge everything. But the catch was most of the movie is still going to take place on the cruise ship. You're only going to get a week to film in New York. Everything else has to be done in Vancouver. And the budget is $4 million instead of the usual like three-ish million that the previous films had been. Wow. So it kind of is like, okay, you can do it, but we're going to pull the rug out from under you and not really let you do it the way it should be done. You know, Rob Hedden, 
this is his first feature film. So, you know, had he been more of a veteran, I think he would have, and he said so, he would have put his foot down and really fought to get more time in Manhattan. And if the, you know, if you have to change things to make that happen, he would have, but this was his first movie for a big studio and he wanted to make a good impression and he's a team player in general. So, and he already had a relationship with these guys from the series. So he, um, you know, he just says, okay, well, we'll just make the best movie we can make. It's competently done. <laughs> well, and that, and that is, that's part of it too, that it uh, much unlike the other movies, like this really looks like a major movie, the way it's, yeah. you know, framed and shot and lit. Like it, it doesn't, it looks no offense to the previous films, but it does look a step above and beyond those films. So the, the gear keeps improving 10 years later, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Like compared to what you can shoot on and what you can do in a post um, in a post world. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's going to like, I like, I remember as I'm watching the film, I'm like trying to remember, I re I do remember endless amounts of commercials for this movie on TV. Like, yeah, this was the first time I, I understood who, like, I probably already knew who Jason was, but like, this was this was a mainstream push back then like it was so the gags of him in new york with the punks and then uh one one of the other shots like and it was like he's in new york now <laughs> yeah and uh you know seeing times square and all that and it's like and i remember seeing those commercials over and over and over um and like it's such a, like this is just a perfect like missed opportunity in some way right like, like like you said the circumstances of a first time director and studio wanting to make sure that they're not they're not going to go overboard and it's just sort of like well you wanted something different but you can't can't quite pay for it you know things cost things cost money <laughs> like, yeah and this could have been a lot more fun probably uh like you said because otherwise i mean i don't know what just scrap the whole manhattan part and make make something make it something else. I don't know, just some sort of boat party. And, uh, you could do, I don't know, whatever million, whatever extra million bucks you'd spend on tra traveling to New York, put it into some crazy set pieces, like on the boat. I don't know, but yeah, that's not what they did. Yeah. I mean, the, it, you know, for New York being the big gaggy selling piece for, for the movie, like they don't really utilize it that much. I mean, they, you know, they spend 25 minutes there, you know, and it's a stereotype of New York city. Um, you know, to, to David's point, they didn't really take advantage of being able to like do any real kind of fun New York gags. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like make, let's let, like, let's celebrate New York. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they were relegated to, you know, how much can you film in a week? In a city like New York, it's not easy. That the the Times Square scene that they did shoot, you know, took a couple of a couple of nights to do. And because there's there's fifth once it got out that that's what was filming there, and the minute of course you see Jason on set, no, um, there was fifteen thousand people trying to cram into the location. Like, oh wow, yeah, and that's what you know the producer and 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 Rob Hedden were trying to explain to the studio, like, look this is a big deal. Like we need 40 PAs and we need all these police officers. Like we just need more money. I think they ended up getting like 25,000. 
additional wow. dollars. So, um, you know, and they had planned all these big crane shots and everything. And so they, you know, they, they got a, a few and, and the shot, you know, as they approach New York and as, as, um, when Jason gets out and he looks and he sees the billboard of the hockey player, like a cute little moment there. Yeah. And then of course, with the, with the punks, that, that scene. Yeah. Well, like I want to see him interact with like, you know, the silver robot guys that stand still. <laughs> I was going to say a mime. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you want to see him buying a hot dog, buying a hot dog, going to a Mets or game. taking one, going to, going to a Mets game. Like he could have been on a subway and like a Yankees fan and a Mets fan could have gotten a fight and then he could have killed them both or something like that. Yeah. And then like, uh, yeah, so much fun. Yeah. It's just, it's just frustrating. Cause it's like, you're right there. You're right on the edge. You have the idea, you have the location, but it just wasn't enough. So. Yeah. Oh, well. And like yeah. a prostitute would have, should have tried to pick him up at a certain point. Hey baby, you and that's who he shows the mask to, and then she runs away or something. Right? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) all the dumb stereotype things of New York. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, one thing that they did have um, on their side was that they did decide to bring Kane Hodder back. So he is the first actor to return as Jason Voorhees in the entire series. And he would ultimately play Jason four times. Wow. This is the second uh, of the series. So he's pretty, you know, he's pretty much considered like the Jason Voorhees. And I think he does have the body type, the body size, the intensity, the physical presence that you need for that character. So it really was perfect casting. And Kane is very um, passionate about playing Jason. And he lobbied to get the role back and really wanted to, uh, continue with the series. And I think it was a smart move because a lot of the, you know, up until the ending, at least like he's the guy who knows how Jason works. He's the one who figured out how to do some of his mannerisms and how he physically holds himself and, and the way he, you know, kills people. And it's uh Kane, Kane was the guy. But with this, with Kane back from what the fifth movie, is that what he was? The seventh. No, he started in, yeah. He started in the seventh. Oh, 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 okay. I thought he was like, I thought he skipped a couple. So he was just in the last one. But like, they definitely trying to change the lore a little bit here too, right? Didn't, isn't, aren't, are we to infer that like Jason's sort of laughing at a certain point and he's the one making the chanting noise? Like instead of the Kiki Mama, it's like Chi Chi and like it's, it's, it's a different noise. It's a little bit different. And and I think that she, to me, it never sounded like, like, like it right. never sounded like that. It always sounded like, like it, it just did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's the thing. Well, I think you told me what the, the, what it was being said in the first movie. I was like, Oh, like you're like, okay. That's what it's supposed to be. I always thought it was like a cheat. Yeah. But, but like his first kill, I feel like he was sort of he was making like a, a noise of like enjoying the kill or something like that. Like there was some personality injected into his kill. Or am I crazy? Do in the first know? one? In like in on this the, on movie. The... In this movie, like the one of the first kills, maybe the, the original boat. 
mm. where he he's resurrected. I don't I don't remember. Does, does this not ring of you never got the sense they were trying to like change him a little bit? Like Well, they've changed him pretty much every yeah. movie. You know, they well, they mean, tweak the backstory, they change his look every movie. Right. Um so yeah, maybe I didn't pick up on that, but that's not to say that wasn't there. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that either. But um, I'd have to go back and watch it again, which I'm not going to do. So never mind. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> which, I, which I will never do again. But. You don't want to do uh, a until, marathon until I have the next marathon, and then you're forced to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, uh, I could. Yeah, I, we've got. Yeah, gee, uh, they really. They, you didn't get the sense they were trying to like. Give him a little personality, like Freddie, kind of, you know, like a. I think you get more extra. personality. I've, I think part of that is Kane Hodder of just, yeah. you know, injecting a little more. Yeah, I no, I that I I agree with that. I think that there's a little more life to him in this movie than a lot of the previous ones. I think Kane just is more. It's an example of him being more comfortable in the role, so he's yeah. starting to do little mannerisms and little things that make Jason feel like more of a character instead of just this vacant sort of monster. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah. It's all in the hot um, performance. So then we've got, uh, you know, we've got a slew of teens who most of them really don't have much of a personality. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the cast is uh, it's led by Jensen Daggett who plays Rennie and Scott Reeves Peter Mark Richmond, who plays the villainous uncle character. Uh, V.C. Dupree, who plays Julius the Boxer, which we'll come back to him in a bit. Uh, and Martin Cummings. And uh, a f- one familiar face, Kelly Hugh. Mm. Kelly Hugh. That's from, who we would, I think, mostly know from uh, X, X-Men 2. And yeah, uh, I mean, she's done a ton. She's done a ton of voices like in video games and things like that. Oh, yeah. Kelly Hughes had a great career and and, uh, she's, you know, been on TV and films and um, was one of those people that this was just kind of the starting point for her, but definitely had a successful run after this. And, you know, probably I don't think this is like one of her high points that she points to, but. um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) But this is where she got her start, so. Um, I did catch also uh, once uh, Jason's in New York and he goes into the restaurant and the cook comes out and, and you know, gets into an altercation with him. The cook was the stunt coordinator, Ken Kurtzinger, who would go on to play Jason in Jason versus Freddy. So, little, uh, yeah, nice little moment there. But um, what do we think about these teens? Uh, you know, it feels like each movie progressively gets like, we care less and less about what happens to them, about them as characters. We know less and less about them. What, what do you guys think about this one? I mean, all the teens in this one just seem like teens we've seen in all these movies before. Like they, they're not, there's not an original character in any of them. Like every single one is like a carbon copy of someone that we've taken from more or less the most recent night uh, Friday thir- or sorry, nightmare on Elm street movie, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they, they all seem very familiar of like the last two nightmare on Elm street uh, movie kids, but 
but you know, again, this is like, this is Paramount trying to jockey for some of that, some of that money, right? Some of that. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, they're just rinse repeating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, really the only care, and I, I think some of it, I will say that it sounds like Rob Hedden did write a lot more characterization in for these guys, but it all got cut out. Like, and you know, it's going to, that's not what people are here for, but you still, at the same time, you want to care about, um, this is where I feel like this one in particular got lost because there's no real even attempt to, um, care about these people, you know, yeah. like you kind of like Julius. I don't think you particularly like um, Sean, the 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 lead male character. He's just no. generic boyfriend type. Yep. Right. Um, Rennie, a little different. I think you get a, a new backstory with her that she, uh, you know, a, a, a backstory with her having been on Crystal Lake as a kid with her uncle who is forcing her to learn how to swim, knowing that there's this myth of Jason under the water, but he pushes her in the water anyway. And of course she encounters Jason under, under the water, um, traumatizing her forever. Kind of like my alligator story. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly like that. Exactly like that. But, uh, so that, creates an ongoing storyline through the movie that we keep coming back to that she keeps having these visions she's got this connection with jason and she keeps seeing um the little boy jason uh you know in her mind and is she going crazy is it real is it not real so we're continuing that supernatural element um that was started in the seventh film what do you guys think about that storyline did that work was that interesting i i like the idea of them trying to I don't know. Give, 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 add a little dimension to, to the whole thing. Add a mm -hmm. that supernatural element. Um, I don't think I liked how it how it ended up, but like, I'm not even sure about the ending. Like, if that <laughs> is that him? Like, is he? Yeah. Is that supposed to be him, or did, is she viewing that? Like, did he? You know, because it would have just been toxic waste. He would have just completely been burnt up. Or, you know, well, I melted accor according to the filmmakers. The ending is him, his spirit, you know, the toxic waste, the, that nasty New York toxic waste comes rushing through the sewers as it does every night, right? It was like every night at midnight. Every night, gotta, gotta yeah. clear the pipes, guys. Gotta, gotta clear, clear the pipes. The Standard. <laughs> it's kind of like what we do here at the studio at Reconsider Recon Studios. That's right. <laughs> um, it comes rushing down and it blasts uh, Jason and, and conveniently doesn't touch uh, uh, Rennie or Sean. Yeah. And he's melted away. But what's left is this little, the uh, an intact little boy. So what that was, was his spirit being released, right? And that he's been freed of this monster. And he's a little, he's dead. He's still dead, but he's back to where where he was before this all happened. Why? Um, What's why, the point? Why? What's the point? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Just use the toxic waste to kill Jason. Kill him. <laughs> don't do the, don't do the, 
spiritual like, part. Like, yeah, yeah, like just melt Jason. Oh, okay, cool. Got it. Like Jason's I get it. Melted until until he comes back. The soul of Jason comes back and Jason goes to hell. Yeah. It feeds into Jason goes to hell a lot better if you just melt Jason than right. bring bring the damn I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like trying to bookend the kid thing with like the end of the first movie to this, like it just doesn't Well, Rob really wanted to try to to link it back to the first movie. Sure. So... I get I totally get it. Yeah. But why? Like what you're not gaining anything is what you're gaining are raised eyebrows and like people like <laughs> what? So I, I don't, you know, it doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It, uh, I, I don't ultimately, I don't think it worked either, but, um, David, how do you feel about that? Do you agree with that? Yeah. I don't think I, I don't, I don't think I like it. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I get, I, I get the idea of trying to, to, to reinvigorate it and all that, but it's just like a execution wise. I don't think it really works. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, and it's, it's, and it's still like, like it, it's, it's just confusing for the uninitiated. Like you don't know. Yeah. Like that. Oh, so that's the kids. That's Jason's dead body. Now. 30 40 years after he was originally killed (laughs) yeah and you're talking you're talking you're talking about a jason from a movie that didn't even center around like jason wasn't even the killer so like yeah like i get that the stories connect because it's the death of the child but you know like you've so you've moved on somewhat from that whole that whole deal. I don't know. It's, yeah, we've moved so far away from that that yeah. story element of Jason that it's like, I mean, like I when's the last time they movie? Well, do they? Do they mention like there's a kid who? I mean, I know that they. You know, the last one I can think of is like part two. I think the sixth around one. The yeah, part two. I mean, they definitely do through. Definitely through four. I feel like they mentioned it in six. Might not have come up in seven. I should probably we should probably rewatch that as a group just to yeah, double let's check do that. a marathon. <laughs> Dave, we're coming All over. All right, seven, eight, and that's it. <laughs> uh, is, yeah. So, is Jason? Know. Is it? Is it? Does did Jason take over his mom's mission, or is he? Is his mission just to get revenge for his mother? That like once well, he. That's that's the idea behind part two is that <laughs> yeah he was like he saw his mom get killed and he for whatever reason wasn't dead in in the water and saw her get killed and then was gonna take revenge out on all the on the camp right. after after seeing them kill his mom. And then and then it gets into like Pretty hockey loosey masks. goosey after that. Yeah, hockey masks and supernatural, and this dude can't be killed even with the hatchet to the head, and you know. And he he seemingly is like the Flash, like he just appears in places. Right? Absolutely. Well, and that's they kind of embrace that in this one, and and we've no we brought that up in other films that, and actually in the Friday the Thirteenth video game, 
um, that's a thing you can do. You can just transport like across the the uh, the game the map. Yeah, the map, and um, you know they're embracing embracing that uh, mysticism, sort of that he can just like wherever he's going to go, he can get there as fast as he wants. And yeah. we're not going to linger on that or talk about it. It just is. Which I kind of like too. Like again, make him a little more dynamic. Like, yeah, there's no getting around. Like you know, him navigating the bowels of a ship. And like he's this giant. You know, he's this giant dude, he's six five or whatever. Like, and just a monster. It's like that. He would never be able to do that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but right. but but Jason really, he can get where he needs to go. Yeah. He's at the top of a ladder, like no problem. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty neat. Um, just to rewind for a minute, going back to the beginning of the movie, which is the only part of the movie that feels like your traditional Friday the 13th, right? Like Jason. Well, yeah, because it starts at the lake before it's at we... it's fine. We're at Crystal Lake yeah. with two teens on a on a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah, on a boat. On a, it's a before very nice it's, boat. it's before the whole idea that Crystal Lake is actually an open lake connected to the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, you know, which, it, which it is where be, I was going. <laughs> it must be it must be part of the Great Lakes, right? Like yeah. it I mean it's gotta establish that. Well, wait, wait, wait. Crystal Lake is one of the Great Lakes. We, there you we, go. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's Lake Superior and Lake Michigan and Crystal Lake. That's right there those next the, to it. Those are those the three the, lakes. Those right? are the three. <laughs> but um, I mean, at least the Great Lakes are like they're connected to the Atlantic through like what the St. Lawrence River, right? So, you know, like you could technically get from the Great Lakes to the Atlantic. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's never been established for Crystal Lake at all. You've not seen until all not of until now. Lake. <laughs> Crystal Lake used to be a small lake. Yeah. Now it's a Great Lake connected so you, to the Atlantic. And you can get yachts and cruise liners into Crystal Lake. I mean so, you know, we see these two teens in the beginning of the movie who is you're basically your traditional kills. Um, Jason is resurrected via electricity, right? Like that was it the anchor or something that clips uh, an electric wire that's down there where he is and sparks him back to life because yep, he was because dead again from Tina. Dead. But yeah, because you would probably run all the electrical wires through the lake. Uh, and and the town look i have an island and there's lakes within that island and when i had the cables run that was what, how we did it we've had no problems okay <laughs> what you have is an atoll uh with the okay this is the eighth movie we said what the first three are basically all within the a year well, of each other how many uh Oh God, I have to remember now. Uh, well, part two is like one year later, and then part three two. is immediately after. Uh, immediately after two and four is, I think, a few weeks later. Or a few weeks later, then we yeah. get the the Corey Feldman time jump, right? Which is an unknown yeah. amount of time. Unknown, yeah. but at least ten years, would you say? Sure. Let's go from Corey it's... Feldman to John Shepard. <laughs> it looks like. 10 years, but 10 uh, years. he's got to take Jim Cotta lessons. Five. Like there's a lot of stuff that has to happen. And then those 10 years. And then when does six take place? Soon, a couple of years after that, right? Six four is year, not four years before five. five. Yeah. Oh, it's four years before. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, wait, stop. Yeah. 
Sorry, sorry. So, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. And then six seven is, happens. Yeah, six is not long after five. Uh, it's, again, unknown because seven is a whole separate thing. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it, like it's years probably later. pretty quickly after. And then, and then there's the flashback of Rennie as a child at mm-hmm. post of the seventh movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which he was already a legend. So you got to figure 10, 15 years after that, or 10 years after that moment, she's going to graduate high school. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, this movie almost on, takes place. Yeah. Like, yeah, this takes place in the late nineties. <laughs> like, no, it wouldn't, it would, it would, I have to go back. Cause I think somewhere there's a five year time jump. I think that's in between four and five. Right. I mean, I think yeah, originally be. that's what we talked about, even though it seems like oh, he really? is, he is older. It's not really a 10 year. It's a five year time. Job. But some of the others are so compact that I, I think we're almost on the correct timeline by now. Oh, if she's graduating high school, right? She's uh, what? 17, 18, 18. 18. Yeah. So the she's first movie was, was nine years prior to this one. So how old is she in that flashback? Nine. Well, yeah, all, we, all we really need to know is that it lines up perfectly for Jason X. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's an easy one. <laughs> I just figuring I'm trying to figure out like what's the real time because it was, it would is, be interesting though. Is her flashback post the seventh movie or is it just the lore of he's always down there since the first movie? Like, no, I, I, my understanding of it was her, her flashback was from, when he was initially down there as a as as a kid like after the first act, that's why happened. that's why so, she always sees the kid, right? Right oh. again, tying to the first movie. So okay, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. All right, but that, so that would happen somewhere prior to the events of part two. Gotcha. So her flashback is earlier than most of the other movies. Yeah, could it even be the first movie. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yes, the ending is um, the first movie fascinating yeah all right all right never mind so all right so that they should all have cell phones by now that's all i'm saying <laughs> they, yeah, they would they would have shit. the zach morris cell phones <laughs> absolutely um so yeah so suddenly crystal lake has a uh a tributary down to um <laughs> down to Man- the ocean in manhattan and I, I, like it makes no sense i i don't i don't know how they could even like do that without some kind of like explanation, but uh and they're in open water and suddenly they're passing the Statue of Liberty, like they just spit right. out of nowhere. Like, oh, yeah. here we are, guys. Yeah. Like finally what angle are you coming from? But like, yeah. Because like, <laughs> they're coming from, it looks like they're coming from Europe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just crossed the Atlantic. That's uh so yeah. But um, so we see all these these teenagers, and um, how do you like that subplot between Sean and his dad, the uh, the admiral? Yeah, that made admiral. a lot of sense. That was a, that was that was another necessary addition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to give him a little extra <laughs> to do. No, the son, pressure. that's not how you start the boat. You give the maritime. <laughs> like, okay, dude, whatever, guy. Yeah. You take your ferry. Uh, it's it's not. That's the thing. Is it even a yeah? It's it's not a cruise. It's like a ferry. When I look at it, I think it's a like a like a ferry. You know, like well, they're ferrying there's, across. There's but, a reason for that. So 
they did have an actual like cruise ship mm -hmm. booked for that. And then a week before they started shooting, there was something happened and they lost that ship and they basically had to get what they could get, which was something <laughs> that looks looks more like a ferry and is a lot smaller. So that's why yeah. you never see the full ship. You just see yeah. like the front part of the side uh -huh. or the back or the interiors. That's it. But the way they use the ship, I mean, that ship has what, like, I mean, when, when is it JJ is down there shooting her rock video? Yeah. I mean, it feels oh, like man. that thing's Great. like 10 stories deep into the, into, <laughs> into the, the lake. I'm like, what is happening here? Yeah. This is, it's got a boiler room, this, this <laughs> boat. It's a mix. It's got everything from the traditional boiler room of your, you know, your, uh, I don't know, of not a cruise ship looking kind of boiler room. And yeah. then you've got a sauna, you've got a, <laughs> a disco, right? You've got, you've got a room with a blanket that they've put on the floor to be a boxing rink. Yeah. Did anybody notice they just threw a blanket on the ground? <laughs> just a blanket. <laughs> They're like, we're just going to put this bed blanket on the ground we're gonna pretend that's the boxing rink let's go yeah okay great and you so you get all your teens like doing their separate things you know one is a boxer you've got the nerdy filmmaker you've got the rock who's filming the music video for the rock star you've got the um you know kind of nasty girl the bad girl the bad girl the the bully type and and kelly hugh who's who's sort of a tag along with her a, right? a one yeah she wants to be cool like her yeah but she doesn't want to do cocaine no right. coke for kelly no coke no no coca um and then you've got the good girl rennie who, so all the and and rennie's teacher who seems like her mom but isn't her mom and then the uncle who's is he the was he the principal i don't know was, dean maybe d yeah something i forget i don't know I don't but, know. Uh, so they're all there. And, and of course I love the shot of Jason, like popping out of the water and climbing up on the ship. It's, yeah. like, it's such a star like strike, shot. A po strike a pose. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm going to pull myself here. up. I was like, I was like, at some point I was watching it. I was like, man, I know he's getting tired holding himself up on that chain right now. His yeah. biceps are shaking. <laughs> um, Kane hotter. Uh, I don't know. He's just like, it almost like if he had long hair, he would have like blown, you know, tossed it around like a plus commercial, you know. <laughs> that being said, I never got to say this when we were talking about Kane Hodder. I do think Kane Hodder is the best, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Just I his, liked... just his size and bulk mannerisms. Like he's quintessential. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, he's made a, a career off of it, really, and uh... yeah. I like him. I like Ted White from the fourth film too, but yeah. So then, you know, Jason starts uh, his killing spree through the boat. And really that's most of the movie is um, Jason takes a cruise ship. Yeah. That's what it should have been. Yeah. And one by one, he's gonna, you know, he's going to go through and, and, I think some of these kills really would have benefited from more gore. It's hard to watch like a PG version of Friday the 13th movie. It's like, you know, the, the blood isn't there. And I think Rob Hedden was smart that he, he knew what the MPAA was going to do. Like he knew they hate Friday the 13th movies. So 
um, he would shoot different versions of scenes and, um, you know, one with gore, one with like medium gore, one with basically no gore. And he knew that the MPA would want the one with no gore, sure. but Paramount, you know, Frank Mancuso, when he saw dailies, he's like, no, what are we doing? Like, give it, give me the bloodiest one that you have. Yeah. And then it'd go to the ratings board and they're like, oh no, you can't have that. You're rated X. <laughs> so you'd have to go back, but thankfully he shot all those. So. Are they available to see anywhere? No. Is there no. an uncut NPAA X-rated version? No, but that would be, bad. I wish they would do that. I wish they would go through, now that they know like how much money's in these movies, go through and really re-edit them, especially part seven was one we know for sure that there was yeah, a lot oh, yeah. more gore. And like put it in there and make yeah. it that the the you know the x-rated version that like i mean it wouldn't be x-rated well or anymore, it wouldn't be now but yeah i mean that's the thing yeah. is it's so tame now yeah I yeah mean, i don't know most so of the deaths worse now most of the deaths in this movie are all real i mean they they've got the making of opera they've got the opportunity to make them pretty some of them pretty fantastic like the sauna room one could have been really dope yeah <laughs> you know but but it punches pretty... through him with with one of the with rocks a from sauna the sauna. rock dude a sauna rock <laughs> yeah and you see the fire inside the carcass too yeah <laughs> i mean it's pretty decent but <laughs> and then, then they like they cut to the guy screaming. He's just like, ah, like, yeah. He just punched a hole through you with a burning rock. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the character who was, uh, supposed to be an Olympic diver, but that whole storyline got cut who gets tossed and then run around like a corkscrew down the, uh, the pole towards yeah. the end. That was cool. Yep. <laughs> There's some there's some good impaling happening. Well, that's what he likes to do, you know. That Jason's a big on the impaling. Like, there's a lot of you know right in the beginning that stabbing in the gut with a harpoon gun, spearing yep. through the chest. Um, which, by the way, in those first those opening kills, uh, the 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 guy who gets killed, um, he originally had a much gorier. Uh, mm. much gorier death. And I had thought as a kid, maybe that's why it's, it, it got to me was those rubber like hoses on the harpoon gun. Mm -hmm. I had thought that those were like his intestines. Oh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I was like, that's, oh man, that's, that's a different nasty. vibe. Yeah. Not, yeah, not his intestines. Um, and then like, when I've seen the so girl, many more intestines now, I know <laughs> that those weren't them. The, uh, when he kills the girl, it's like he has to reach down and he's like, like pokes down. Yeah, at it's her. so like, weird. Like she's sitting so in the, yeah, she's like down below the porthole or whatever. I, I don't know what the, I, again, I don't know ship lingo. I think we've discussed this before, but um, yeah, just like standing over what for, for like an eternity. Yeah. Like she could have just rolled over and like crawled away. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm just going to sit he's here like, and yell continuously for five yeah. minutes. Yeah. And then it's like, he's got to like lean down and it's just so it was awkward. Um, 
His knees but all yeah, pop. You know, he's yeah. old. It's like, yeah, but Jason's back would be hurting. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's Jim and Susie, those characters, how they get t- taken out. Uh, JJ, the rock star with the uh, getting head smashed in with a guitar, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so lots of crazy deaths. Yeah. But what's the, well, let's, let's, what's the craziest one? What's, what do you think? Oh, definitely the, the favorite death of the movie, I would say on everybody's part, is the, yeah. is Julius in, uh, back in New York. Take your best shot. Motherfucker. You know, he's the boxer. We, we've had that set up a couple of times throughout the movie. We have the fake out that he got thrown off the boat, but he's still alive. He reappears later. Um, he's one of the last survivors of this group as they, you know, make their way through New York City. And and Jason tracks him down up on the roof of a building and and he's going to put his boxing skills to the test. And yeah. I counted there. I counted 59 punches. I've also heard it's seven. It's actually seventy-two punches Whoa. that he throws. Well, and, if, uh, if it had, if it had gone the distance, Julius <laughs> would have won the fight. Yeah, <laughs> he had Jason on the run for sure. And uh, and Jason turns around with one. He, you know, Julius is he's spent. He has no more energy. He's punched himself out, and he says, "Give me, give me your best shot." And Jason certainly does. And with one punch, knocks his head right off. And right off the shoulders. Decapicam. Decapicam following the head as it flies off the top of the building. Yeah. Through the air. And right into a dumpster. Right into the New York dumpsters. Yeah. Uh, But that's like a classic Jason moment. Like that's the kind of creative kills I think we want to see here. Instead of the usual just... But we've seen it so many times that like just a, just a stabbing is boring. No, that that kill is 110% like the best thing going in this movie, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's that's the moment. Um, this movie's got a total of 43 kills, which brings the running total. My count is up to 142 right now. It has 43 kills. That seems high. Uh, it does. For us, to, for us to be at 142. There is, there's like, it's mentioned that there are other students and there's like 18 other students on the ship. Oh, they don't make um, it. Right. And then there's like four other people in the restaurant that he supposedly kills. So if you start counting all that stuff, like it, it adds up pretty quickly. So got yeah. it. So he um, only had 99 kills through... Two through seven, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, wow. really? Uh, ballooned wow. up the kill count, and, and yeah, probably... I mean, some of them. It's like it's only a handful of people, right? At the you know, like in seven, there's not that yeah. many characters, right? In part four, and you know, yeah, no, you're right. So, um, in some of the next couple, I think like he really goes on some big killing sprees, like, and then it's like if he blows something up, and there's like twenty five people in there, boom, yeah, there you go. How do you even count the deaths in nine? We'll get there. We'll get yeah. there next year. <laughs> um, Not soon enough. 
and another one, uh, Charles McCulloch, the 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 villainous uh, uncle character for Rennie, mm-hmm. g- gets his comeuppance later on when he gets drowned in you guessed it rat infested toxic waste yeah that's a shitty way to go (laughs) yeah that's awful that's a i i was like thinking of just the stunt work of that i'm like that's uh like you gotta be put in this thing and you gotta trust that he's gonna you're gonna get pulled out and you gotta play you know you gotta play like your dad like oh that that uh that I don't know if I could do that stunt. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty sketch. No, that'd be that's tough. Uh, it's pretty nasty. And I think like the you know Peter Mark Richmond, the actor, who's an established like theater actor. He was a he was a not a major name, but he was a regular working actor at this point. And was I think his team was like, why are you doing this movie? And what you know, um, he uh, I think he did you know at least a couple of takes of that, and that was that was enough for him. They got it. He did yeah, good. They got it. They got it. No, you don't need too many. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we, you know, we kind of talked about the ending already. As as they work their way through New York, and you know, one by one or in groups, the the kids are 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 killed and eliminated, and then it, it just comes down to Rennie and and Sean and the dog who survives. Uh, who take care of Jason and they really wanted to make sure like what is a way that we could make sure Jason is killed off forever and make it visible that he's he's done that's it even though it's like the door is still kind of open for bringing him back so you always got to leave it a little bit open but but that was not the intention was was that was it you know unless this did phenomenal numbers this was going to be the last one so and we end in New York City. Yeah. Good old New York. With Where, a great tune. Why wouldn't you? With with a great tune, Darkest Side of the Night by Metropolis, which opens and closes our film. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, great rock track. You know, the music in this one is, uh, I think for the first time, we, we've, we've not used a Harry Manfredini uh, piece of music at all in this film and he's mm-hmm. not credited at all and fred mullen is the composer uh and also kind of handled uh getting together some of the uh you know traditional soundtrack songs for this one so different sound we don't get the the you know traditional jason sound effects and the the we don't get any yeah. of that so hmm. yeah it's weird but uh a little weird. weird to not have it it feels like it should have been there at some point. All right, the movie is done. Uh, they've they're they're going back and forth with the MPAA to get it down to an R rating, and uh, I don't think anyone's like totally happy with the movie. But it, I think it's the best movie that they could make with the money that they had and and uh, what was available to them. Um, they've got an ad campaign going, which you can find online everywhere with Jason kind of tearing through the Isle of New York logo, which got them into trouble (laughs) from (laughs) city officials. I mean, it's a great poster and totally like a great tease for the audience, but, uh, I guess they did not get the rights to use that image. So, 
they had to reverse all that campaign. And then you get the posters with him kind of peering over the skyline of the city. Mm. So that was uh, what we ended up with. But um, should we, dare we talk a little box office glory? Sure. I think we should. Here we go. Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. Uh, Paramount is counting on a number here, or this is it for the franchise. Uh, It had a $4.2 million budget. It opens July 28th, 1989 at number five. Hmm. Number five five. opened up against Turner and Hooch. So not a good debut. Um, It ends up uh, right between When Harry Met Sally, which is in its third week, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is in its sixth week. Uh, Of course, Batman's still doing amazing numbers in its sixth week. Uh, That came in at number three. Uh, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan earned $6.2 million on its opening weekend, a total domestic run of $14.3 million, which is down from part seven, which was nineteen point one. Uh, it ends up at number 68 of 1989, right between Kickboxer and The Wizard. Oh, boy. Wizard, like the Fred Savage, The Wizard? The Fred Savage Wizard. That's, huh. Uh, that which, surprises so, me because that movie was, well, that movie was terrible, but it was pretty hyped. Yeah, okay. but uh, it didn't, you know, it, Box office wise, it didn't didn't do that well. I think because their right? age, we're we're psyched for uh, you know the Super power Mario glove. three and put the power glove. So that yeah. was yeah 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 but absolutely. Like, but audiences like nobody went to go see it. <laughs> right, I, think I right. saw it at the theater actually, but I was one of seven people. <laughs> you know when I saw the wizard for the first time? Never. Twenty twenty two. Wow, oh. really? Yeah, good for you. Um, How's it hold up? Uh, <laughs> not well. <laughs> The uh, so Friday the 13th part seven came in at number 51 of 88. Now we're here at number 68 of 89. So we're just we're continuing the downward slide. Uh, Batman, The Last Crusade and Lethal Weapon 2 were tops at the box office uh, that year. Now ranking amongst the series uh, box office wise, this one comes in at number 12, which is mm. dead last, the worst of the series. Oh man. Up right, right behind Jason goes to hell. Wow. Cute. So we're really, so that's it. Know, no more Jason movies. They're done. That's, that's, that's what it would lead over. you to believe. You just well, said if it doesn't hit its number, that's it. So luckily way, this it. is, Farewell to Jason Voorhees. It's been a wild ride. So glad we can cover your movies here on Reconsinimation. We'll see you <laughs> oh, next wait, Friday wait just the a 13th. minute. What? There's more to say? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's more. Oh, no. This what is only we... the last Paramount film. Yeah, we're just getting started. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Paramount uh, holds to their word that this would be the last one. Um, you know, again, it, it clearly it made money. It made about $10 million, but uh, it. Um, it wasn't what they wanted and they would end up and we'll get more into this, but uh, on the next one, but we'll, they, they end up selling the rights to uh, new line cinema, who is also the 
holder of the rights to Freddy Krueger. So, uh -oh. Uh -oh. so setting the table for that showdown to happen, although it would take a little while. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is it for Paramount. And, uh, you know, as well as the movies did, they just had enough and they wanted to walk away. And it would, it, it always been, they always treated it as some kind of embarrassment. They never really like, when they promote Paramount films, they would never promote anything like any of these movies in with their regular library. Like you're yeah. going to put Beverly Hills Cop and Top Gun and an Officer and a Gentleman and Friday the 13th part <laughs> seven or six or eight, you know, like not, not going to happen. You know, and like we talked about, they're they're competing with uh, Freddy Krueger. Nightmare on Elm Street Five would come out two weeks later, but that would also be a big time failure at the box office. So, um, you know, both films yeah. overexposure, over you know, over just overkill on everything. With Paramount selling the rights to New Line, that also opens the door for the return of one of the original creators of the franchise. Sean Cunningham, who we haven't talked about since the first film, Whoa. maybe the second, uh, is going to return to the franchise as well. So we will get to uh, we will get to that when we cover Jason Goes to Hell next year. Um, and of course, where they did make some money uh, or more money was on home video, as we mentioned. When this came out on video, it was a big time release. You know, kid, t teenagers and kids our age were were snatching it up regularly. So. Uh, you know, these movies did make a lot on video rentals. Um, overall, what do you guys think? How did it hold up today? Do you think this movie worked? Did it not work? Or were par did parts of it work? W what do you think? Dave David, what about you? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not great, but it's, you know, it's fine. It's like the, it's like the other movies. Uh, does it hold up? Um, it's as it's as you know you don't see these m movies like this right anymore right the they, no. they go movies today are super gory super like you know just ratcheting up the violence and blood and stuff this is obviously limited and it's the way it was made and all of that but yeah i don't know so it's 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 cute it's uh but it's it's um inoffensive it's uh it's kind of blah uh you don't you don't get the the selling of the manhattan is a big it's a big uh bait and switch almost for you you know yeah um so you know it's kind of a there's a betrayal there i think for the audience and it doesn't go far enough uh if it really wants to change things it doesn't go there so yeah this is a, this is a tough one to get behind it's it's like the other movies uh i i feel differently but i i, I don't think it's like terrible uh i mean it's not great for sure it's not you know I, but it's it's not like it's poorly made it's just they're oh. they're kind of just handcuffed by everything that's going on they don't have much of a budget you know for whatever reason to to david's point they did decide to pull pull the plug on you know because monetarily they couldn't afford to spend more time in new york you know and that's i mean that's why people are tuning into this one right to see how jason interacts with new york and they just don't give totally. him enough they don't give you enough. Yeah. You know, like it's just what does make it interesting is it's not like any of the other Friday the 13th movies. Like, you know, it, it, it almost doesn't feel like a Friday the 13th movie until you see Jason here and there, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's different in that way, but 
Yeah, you know, unless you want to see some dude get his head knocked off on top of the building in New York. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of reasons to tune into this one. Yeah. I think you get Freddie and Jason in Madison Square Garden, and then the Ghostbusters come and <laughs> capture them. <laughs> capture both, and it's a done and deal. The, and then the Ghostbusters win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think this one... It's tough because it, like we've been saying, it, it's really tame for a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Plus, you have the the bait and switch of really not getting New York. That is the title of the movie and what is advertised, and instead you get you know sixty percent of it, seventy percent of it on a cruise ship on the boat, and um, you know, and I understand that like why that happened. But an, a, an audience shouldn't have to understand that or think about that. And I think that was the biggest thing that they walked away with. Like, oh, there wasn't really any Manhattan. Right. Um, so I think, and I think that holds true today that, you know, watching some of these movies, if there's not an interesting catch with them, and in the earlier films, it was the kills. The kills were the catch. In the seventh movie, it's or the sixth movie. It's the sat- satirical approach. In the seventh movie, it's Carrie versus Jason as your as your hook. Here, your hook isn't really your hook because your hook doesn't really deliver. So, yeah. um, that's I think the problem with this one. I think you know the pluses are you, you have Kane Hodder who's great. You have a couple of kills which are cool. Um, it looks really professional and looks you know, better than a lot of the other movies do. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So I I don't think this one holds up, but it's also, you kind of have to see it. Like if you're watching the other Friday the 13th, mm. you know, complete it. And, and, and I didn't feel like the ending was like as powerful as it could have been if you're really going to end these. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know. definitely, you definitely can't get to hell without going through Manhattan. So <laughs> you got to see this one. <laughs> yeah. Said from a true Texan. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's the end of Paramount Pictures. We say we bid you adieu. And <laughs> um, I don't know, this one, I rank this movie probably, eh, this is bottom tier for me. So out of the 12, this is probably like 10 or 11. Oof. I I would probably say this one is like eleven to me, and I think Jason goes to hell being twelve. I think that's fair. Oh, I would say the same. Yeah, David, so where do you rank to it that. of of the eight? Generally, what spot you think? Um, of the eight that you've seen, uh, the seven, I think David. Seven. I think David's been pretty clear about they're all just one number, and the number's <laughs> not good. The bottom five are the same movie, so uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like you seven out of eight, probably. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. What? So what's what's eight out of eight? What's the eighth? What's the eighth one? The one what's where the he's worst not the, one out of them all, so far. The one where he's not the the killer. killer. Five, yeah. five, five. Yeah. yeah, that that sucks. Yeah, another that betrayal. sucks. That's pretty yeah. bad. <laughs> Those, yeah, that, I, that annoyed the fucking shit out of me watching. I'd that probably one. put that in my ten spot, but yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, that one's not great. I still, I still have to see. I've seen part nine, so I need to see Jason X, and 
Jason goes to hell. And well, nine nine is Jason goes to hell. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I've seen so I've seen seen that. Okay. Well, sorry, we'll be covering yeah. it on, on the next Friday the thirteenth. Then I see Jason X and then what else is there? Freddy versus Jason. Jason. Freddy versus and Jason. Then the, Frasier, Frasier. And then there's the, the tour. There's yep. the remake, and then there's all the fan movies. No, we're not doing those. <laughs> <laughs> I keep the, bringing uh, them up. I, w- just to, I will just say, David, you're going to have a really good time with Jason X. There is that is a fun movie, and there's uh, a yeah. lot. There's people who hate it, but I think the movie is hilarious and fun. So if it's if it's supposed to be funny, I'm in. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it can't be funny. It's. Yeah. I mean, it's total. Like if it's designed that way, Jason yeah. in space, like you know, you're making a, yeah, goof, a goof ass movie. That sounds yeah. crazy. So yeah, I- I'm in. Um, but we'll, uh, you know, I, regardless of how good or not as good the films are, I love talking about these movies with you guys, and and we are deep into it. We've got, I think, four more to go, and then we'll be we'll wrap up the Friday the Thirteenth series. Um, before we go, is it time? Should we circle back to six degrees of reconsideration? Yeah. Have you guys figured this one out yet? Can you get uh, it? Oh, oh, I've got, got it. I got oh. it quick. I got it and I got it quick. I think you're trying to be tricky, David, but this one's pretty easy <laughs> to figure out. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, guys, can you get me from Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, to uh, When Harry Met Sally? I I can quickly. I don't know. I don't know how quickly Brent, you can, John. But Bren, you go for it first. Uh, I'm gonna do one movie that's has both Kelly Hugh and Meg Ryan in it called The Doors, which came in out in 1991. Uh, so Kelly Hugh is in that. She plays a character named Dorothy, and Meg Ryan's obviously in that because she plays the love interest of Jim Morrison, and Meg Ryan's in When Harry Met Sally. Wow! Wow! Brent, okay. that is impressive. I did not recall Kelly Kelly Hugh being in The Doors. Yeah. Holy shit. That is that, that's a, a maneuver you just did. That was that's fantastic. beautiful. There you go. All right, John, uh, your turn. Uh, yeah, mine's not nearly as quick, but uh, okay. Kane Hodder from Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight is in Jason X with David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg directed Videodrome, Dr- Videodrome, which stars James Woods who co-starred with Robert De Niro in, I think, a few movies, but Casino, Once Upon a Time in America. Robert De Niro is in The Godfather Part Two with Bruno Kirby Jr., who is in When Harry Met Sally. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Wow. A lot like of paths, that route. I guess. Yeah, a lot of roots to it. That's that's yeah. exciting. Wow. You guys are good at this. I oh, probably, boy. in college, watched The Doors uh, 75 times. <laughs> oh, geez, I had it right. on Laserdisc. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I don't know. I went through a phase where I really, really loved Doors music, really. And, oh, me and too. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. like Still. necessarily. I don't know. That's Oliver Stone, right? And it's just like yeah. I watched that movie a shit ton. Wow. I have to be in the right the right zone to uh, listen to Doors music. There's special uh, time and place for it. Yeah, I'm not. I don't listen to it nearly as much anymore. But what, there was a time in college where I was like, "Yeah, I want to break on through to the other side. <laughs> Let's go." 
Oh my God. All right. Well, uh, it was great looking back at this one. Uh, we are right in the middle of Shocktober, a super Shocktober 2023. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, check us out. We're on social media, Reconsidimation Podcast on, what is it? X now? X, Twitter, I don't know, whatever that one is, <laughs> Instagram. And uh, you can catch us there. Check out our archives at reconsidimation.com. If you would, Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That uh, means a lot for the podcast numbers. And uh, thank you to our friends, E.K. Wimmer for the theme song, Curtis Moore for the posters, as usual. And we will see you on the next episode of our Shocktober-themed Reconsinimation. Take care. Bye now. Manhattan. Sometimes you just can't keep a dead man down. This time, he's taking a little cruise to the Big Apple. He came down the river and he's got no board. But don't expect the love boat. This voyage is doomed. Don't pack a life preserver. Just come back and you're all gonna die. Jason's booking them on a one-way trip to hell. Jason Banner for every video store. Plus, here's a blood-curdling free offer that's just too frightening to pass up. Just buy three video cassettes of this all-new Friday the 13th thriller and get a set of specially designed Jason hockey mask decorative lights in the pre-pack. Now is the time to turn New York's newest problem into your newest home video money machine with Friday the 13th Part 8. Jason takes Manhattan.